For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Ah, we are live. Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is the former Rhode Island long snapper. Former Rhode Island long snapper. I'm giving you a compliment. It, well, it's the first time you've actually introed me properly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't even think you've ever you've ever brought that up once in the 20 or so episodes we've done this show. Uh, I forget I play. I forget I was a long snapper sometimes. If I'm if I'm being completely honest. Well, the reason I bring that up is, um, listen. I, I, so I did give you a proper compliment, only to give you a negative one. Uh, I saw you uh, quote tweet. Somebody said, "Who are the better athlete? Who's the best athletes on the football field?" And for my my guy said, "Long snappers." I said, "We all know the answer is long snapper. It absolutely is." Obviously, I was joking. I was trying to. I was trying to drive engagement because a lot of my followers, this might surprise you, Blake, are long snappers. I have a lot of college long snappers who who follow me. So I was trying to, was trying to drive a little like bit of Are you like the Michael Jordan of long snappers? Definitely no, because I was not good enough to make it to the NFL. But uh, I'm the McAfee of long snappers. I like to say that much because, I mean, I don't know any other former long snappers that are out here in the media making a name for themselves. I don't either. I don't even know a long snapper other than you. I mean, some of the guys I played with, but one of them owns seventy-two Dominoes in the local south in the local South area. Oh, he's kicking my ass! Oh, he's 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 yeah, running I mean, laps he's, around he's me. That's way better. <laughs> Maybe not seventy-two. I think it's more like five, but nevertheless, I mean, <laughs> that's a know, big what, difference. <laughs> yeah, very big difference. But five is still massive, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still very massive. I mean, one bite, everybody knows the rules. Hashtag Portnoy. But anyway, nevertheless, uh, it's good to be back, Joe. We we had to miss yesterday just due to some uh, scheduling conflicts. Had a great weekend, Saturday, Sunday, took my son Ben fishing, was absolutely fun. He had a great time, but it's good to be back here on the Rafino and Joe show to talk some college football. So we won't really waste anything. Joe, there was a kind of a bit more newsier last two days. Mm -hmm. Nick Saban talks NIL and the potential of federal legislation with, I'm quoting his buddy, Tommy Tuberville. Uh, <laughs> and then you had, uh, I guess... People, I think, a little are a little bit overblowing this Steve Sarkeesian thing, talking about Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers and their battle here. We'll talk on them uh, as well. And what what spring quarterback competitions are we most looking at or uh, looking at this spring? So a lot that we have to get to here tonight. Yep, um, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a really good show. Yeah, yeah, I'm more excited about, or not more excited, I'm very excited about the quarterback battle discussion because spring ball is kicking off for those that maybe uh, aren't as focused on the college football calendar as as we might be. And I remember back to those days, I don't know what southeastern Louisiana, the weather would be like in March. I mean, but it's, 80 degree, it's 80 degrees right now. If that gives in you March. Yeah, it's 80 degrees right now. Dude, I froze my ass off in March in college in Rhode Island. It was like maybe 40. It would snow sometimes during practices. It was unbearably terrible to practice. So that makes me very mad that you got to practice in 80-degree well, weather. 
I, I'm not trying to make a political statement here, but it's the warmest March that we've ever had in a, in a week uh, span. So I guess hashtag global warming. But nevertheless, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was I, I mean, Joe's hot. I mean, April, it's either going to rain or it's going to be really hot down here. And so it's a big advantage when teams like Utah come down to Florida and play. And I'm serious when I say that. Like, yeah. I, I really am serious. Um, so, yeah, it was always really hot. I mean the humidity in the South is really bad. So it's not like, it's not just hot, but you're sweating all over the place. You sweat in places. You never know that had sweat that could come out of it. So, um, nevertheless, it was always really fun. So yes, spring is, uh, kicking off. So let's do this, Joe. Yep. Since we have three massive topics that we need to discuss, let's get into them. Uh, but not before we talk about our good friends over at betterline.ag. A lot of bets are coming out, over-unders, win totals, and stuff like that. Who do you believe is going to win the Heisman? You can go over to betonline.ag today and place your first sports bet by using that uh, promo code BELIEVE50 at checkout. So let's do this. Let's take our first and only break of the day. We got so much we got to talk about. Look, I I think I'm going to tee off on Saban to start off the show, um, and he deserves it. So let's get into it. We'll back in 50 seconds. Talk some Nick Saban, Alabama, Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning, and who's going to be who's going to win these QB battles in spring, Joe? Yes, sir. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first to market odds and lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline. Dot A-G. We're back. Hey. And we're talking about Texas and Quinn Ewers and the Longhorns in this episode. So fitting to have that in there every single time well, we come back. I was thinking about this today when I was pitching the topics to you. We talk a disturbing amount about Texas. Way too much. You, Way too much. Hey, oh, so hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. So listen, I don't come up with the topics. That's true. Okay, That's true. so if if you want to not talk about Texas, okay, but they're in the news. I know. That's the problem is that they're always going to be in the news, like Notre Dame and Alabama are always going to be in the news. And honestly, the news of there being a quarterback battle is pretty is a pretty big headline, and we're going to get to that after the, the Saban thing. But it is it is funny how fitting that drop is for, for today's show. Well, and I mean, look, Texas, uh, they just, like you said, they make so many headlines, but not more than today's news from Nick Saban. In case you missed it, Nick Saban came out today and had some pretty interesting things, Joe, to talk about NIL. So let me start off by saying two things can be true at once, right? I do believe Nick when he says that uh, that he supports players making money. I, I, I do believe him when he says that. But today he came out with a statement saying, and I'm quoting him here, these collectives are creating a quote-unquote pay-for-play environment, and guys are going to schools where they can make the most money. Well, well, Joe, let me me start off here by saying, Nick, you, you created it. Literally a month ago, 
you went on, well, not literally you went on, but you recorded a video that Alabama, the University of Alabama dropped about your collective. And I, Joe, I hate the argument. Well, well, Blake, he's got to do it to keep it up with today's environment. Well, the truth is, if you believe something so much, then no, you don't have to do it. You don't have to have a collective. I'm old enough to remember in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, until he left LSU, and then when he picked it right back up at Alabama, that Nick Saban was paying players underneath the table. Okay? The old sentiment of Alabama players committing to Alabama, signing with Alabama, and a jar, a, a challenger or does charger being out in their front yard is kind of one of the more unwritten things that we know about Nick Saban in Alabama. What do you? What does Nick Saban mean by? What does he mean by it's creating a pay to play? Nick, you've been doing it for well over two decades. I just, Joe, I, I agree with him. There needs to be federal legislation on some of the stuff when it comes to NIL. But at the same time, you can't stop capitalism, but there's got to be guardrails. However, Nick Saban doesn't need to be the mouthpiece in this. No. The reason he doesn't need to be the mouthpiece is simply due to the fact that he's cheated everywhere he's been. Now, I'm an LSU dude. I'll tell you he cheated. Every LSU fan in here that will come in here, and everywhere Nick Saban has been, they will tell you that he's cheated. So is everybody else. It doesn't really matter. It is an open playing field. But it's really comical to me that Alabama releases their collective this past year. They have seven five-stars that sign with the University of Alabama. And it's to me, Joe, I just feel like when Saban opens his mouth about NIL, I really feel like it's it's like a scenario where a smoker is telling another smoker, not to smoke because it gives you cancer, right? Like, you can't tell me what to do when you're doing the same things. Well, Blake, I agree with you on everything you said, but then that last bit there, it did kind of make me think a little bit. I'm I'm not, I don't agree with this point, but it just kind of makes me think a little bit. Maybe he actually is the right person to talk about it because he's the one who's done it so much to an unfair advantage that when he leaves, he wants college football to be a, a much more fair environment it's kind of like stand on your principles right, right that's, a, that's a good point I, I i'm this is very just a stupid take I'm, I'm just throwing out the the perspective of maybe why he's approaching it this way it's it's kind of like when the cia or the fbi fbi hires criminals to then help find this other isn't criminals white collar, though. Thing. this isn't white collar but to your point exactly it's weird you read the article that sports illustrated put out and if you ignore everything that you just talked about, it, it's a great article. It's a lot of great stuff that Nick Saban says, and it sounds like he really has a has, has a moral need to make changes in college football. And you're like, yeah, Nick, you're 100% right. These kids are not making the right decision because I agree with a lot of what he said. We've got a lot of guys that are just picking to go where the money is. We've oh, got they've been doing that, though. Yes, and it's now even more out in the forefront. It is now more exposed. And I think that it creates a very horrible future for a lot of guys that are just getting paychecks and you don't even know if some of these guys are graduating you know you don't even know if they're majoring something in something that's going to set them up to get a career after football but the sad reality of it is that Nick Saban is the biggest freaking hypocrite in the world because he's the one who's talking about it is there somebody else who could talk about it like is there anyone else that could talk about it yes yeah, the NCAA president or so Greg Sankey 
but or whoever it may be. That was the thing that irked me in the article. So Saban says in the article that the NCAA unfairly is held accountable for this. What are you talking about? They're the ones who are supposed to be handling this, not you, Nick Saban. Correct. And like we've talked about this whole offseason so far, they're going into federal court and getting their asses handed to them because, Joe, at the end of the day, it's capitalism. Yeah. And you can't stop it. But at the same time, it's just so hypocritical to me that he can say this, all of this, I'm trying to make college football better. No, the frick you're not. You're literally – Joe, he's complaining because of what – he's still butthurt by what happened with A&M, okay? Like, that is if – you, if you take the blinders off for just one minute, okay, and see what he's really talking about, yeah, that's what he's talking about. Nick Saban doesn't care about players getting uh, players getting paid. He's been doing it. Joe, I know of dudes that they're paying they pay 200, 300. One kid I know that they pay $350,000 worth of just under the table money and then they gave, you know, there's rumors that Saban gave $100,000 of his own money to a, a Heisman Trophy winner to come back. And, and this is all before NIL. So what do you mean to tell me that you're not you're you haven't been doing it? I just I think it's so hypocritical for you to go to him and say, Nick, what do you think about this? And him saying, NIL is bad, there's no regulations. Well, the reason that we've all gotten here and to where recruiting is such a big thing, while 247 on three rivals Yahoo AYSSnetwork.com makes as much money as they do, is due to the simple nature that people love recruiting, and the way that that happens is there's so much money being circulated into it. He, In my opinion, he just has no business talking about it. He's a hypocrite, and Nick is always finding something to complain, and I feel like, Joe, he's just in a, in a spot where it's always with Nick a get-off-my-lawn moment, and quite honestly, I'm getting a little sick and tired of him literally talking about it all the time, okay, and not doing any actions behind it. You know, so there's so many times in life where people say, you know, I might tell you, Joe, I want to I, I want to stop doing X, Y, and Z. I want to get healthier. I want to lose weight. But then I go out and eat, you know, a Caniac from Raisin Canes. Or I go to In-N-Out Burger and I get the triple stack or, or Whataburger. And I say, you know what? I really want to lose weight. But at the same time, I'm going out here and eating like doll crap. So my, my point is you can't argue and complain and moan and groan and ooh, ooh, and I am, and then go out there and do it yourself. You just can't do that. To me, it's the and, – and he gets a pass so many times because he's Nick Saban. You know who's not talking about it in his division? Kirby. No. Why isn't Kirby talking about it? You know why Kirby's not talking about it? Because the truth be told, Kirby's whipping that ass – and taking names like his name is the water boy. So he's not going to say anything. Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, uh, 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 Marcus, well, maybe a little bit Marcus Freeman, but his is a different situation. You just get what I mean with him. Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier. None of these other coaches are talking about it because they know it gets them a better chance of having a more equal playing field. You know what the number the number one team in the country, Joe, Sp uh, the number one team in the country that spends the most money and amount in recruiting. Do you know who it is? No, who is it? Georgia. You, I wonder even... why. I wonder why Kirby's not saying anything, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. But here's my main thing, and, we, and it kind of goes in line with what we discussed on the Saturday show about him complaining about the schedule. I mean, like the, the reality of it is Nick Nick's just turning into a grumpy old man. A you know, grumpy the, old man. As much as I want to sit here and get mad at some of the things that he's saying, I almost am at the point where, like you're saying, you're sick of it, and I understand why. I almost take it with a grain of salt because it's like he's he's an old fart. He he is a grumpy old man, and he's gotten to this point where he's just he's gonna complain about everything. Everyone's got a grandfather, you know, and they would com- they complained. They all complain. It's too hot. It's too cold. I'm too hungry. I'm not hungry enough. Like they, Nick Saban he, reminds me of a dude that wears a cargo sweater inside his house. He's all day. turning into that. Like, that's the reality of it. As much as we can sit here and get upset over it, and I, it's justified with the magnitude of some of the things he gets upset about, but he's just a grumpy old guy. I don't know why he willingly keeps talking about these things, though. That's the weird that thing. That is a fantastic point. Why do you think that that is? Why is, he, why is he actively being the one that's the face of it? Joe, you know what it's not fixing? Let me tell you. Well, let me just say this. I talked to an SEC coach today. On my uh-huh. way home, and we just I, we just kind of started talking about it. You know how I get I, I, when I start talking to these these coaches, and I, I'm in there and I'm talking about what you think about what Saban said. And you know what that you know what this SEC coach told me today? Well, he better worry about not committing penalties against LSU, Tennessee, and Texas, <laughs> right? And, and so I'm like, you know, you bring up an interesting point. We've talked about that before. What to do, do? What are you doing? Everybody's saying that Kirby, your predecessor, your number two, has knocked you off the pedestal. Why don't you try to get back on there besides bitching about NIL? And, Joe, it would be one thing. It would literally be one thing if his recruiting classes were outside the top five. I'd be like, damn, man. Yeah. Like, they really are feeling it. Joe, he almost broke Texas A&M's composite score. Yeah, they, they, finished with the, they finished with the top recruiting class. It, it is it is goofy. You know, if it was a different coach, just a random one to throw out there, like if it was like Marcus Freeman or uh, who, whoever Stanford just hired, like, for example, like schools like that that don't usually put out a lot of NIL money. Well, I mean, if listen, they look complain. at Lane Kiffin. Look at Lane. Lane literally in a post game after Texas A&M called Jimbo a clown for what he's doing in recruiting. And, and, and I will be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Lane Kiffin, okay? Mm-hmm. I think he's a great offensive coach, but at the same time, he's not wrong. He's been going – Joe, he literally – Ole Miss had to start a collective just to pay him because of the way that Mississippi laws are dictated. And now he's got to use that in recruiting, and he's not having any success. Right. I Yeah, it's I, – I just – whoever is allowing Nick Saban to keep talking – about scheduling, about NIL. What like what's next? What's the next thing that he's going to be complaining about? He he has consistently been put in these situations to talk about this stuff, and I know that he is should be a go to voice for college football in general because of his, his history as a head coach. But I just don't understand it, man. Like why is he complaining about everything? I don't know. And last week he's talking about the permanent opponents. Right, but right. Like, that's my point. Is that so it's like, it's this lo- most recent thing. Well, and I'm like Nick. Why are you complaining that you're playing your three biggest rivals? Regardless if you believe it or not, you're going to have to play LSU because of what you did, mm-hmm. leaving LSU, going to Miami, then going to Alabama, and the the absolute dog fights. 
that LSU and Alabama have had. And Alabama's come out on top more than not. Okay, they lost this year. Okay, well, sounds good. LSU won in 19. It's been a little bit more back and forth over the last couple of years. But regardless of that, it's the, it's the SEC's most gross-watched game. Okay, it's not even remotely close. Then you got Auburn in the Iron Bowl, and then you got Tennessee. Those are your three biggest rivals, Joe. He's right, that's about that's that. also his own doing. Is that you're the best team over the past decade and a half. You are going to have to play in the most important games every single year. It comes with the territory. And then here we are now. That's his no own doubt. doing. It's his own doing. And then well, NIL, the same thing. It's his own doing. That the the way things currently are are because of his actions as a head coach and how he has approached recruiting. Well, and again, to go back to Kirby, you don't see Kirby complaining about having to play, you know, a, a nine-game schedule and having the three permanent opponents. Joe, he's not going to – Georgia's well, not going to Georgia have, get? I don't think Georgia got as, as bad I don't of a necessarily draw. remember. I'll go and look at it right quick. But they don't have Vandy in Kentucky every year anymore. They don't, ha- they don't go to Missouri any – you know – their their schedule's getting tougher. And you know the you know what the only thing I see out of Georgia? A little bit of guys getting drunk after a national title game. One of them was a horrible incident. Don't get me wrong. But then you got Stetson Bennett pissing on a brick. Okay, mm. hiding from police behind a dumpster. Okay, so what Stetson Bennett did, who give who really cares? I mean, look, he come on, we've all done it. So I I just don't know, man. I just don't know anymore. I don't, but like I said, I, I do think that two things can be true at once, right? And of those two things being true at once, I do agree with him. There's got to be some legislation, but I just don't know if Nick Saban's the right face for it, right? Like, right, just not the right face for it. You know who I think kids should be, and I gave him flack our last episodes. I think a guy like a Marcus Freeman, or maybe even, maybe even. Letting an ex-retired head coach be the face of it. Somebody that's out of the game, right? That well, I guess Tuberville's technically that guy because well, he's in. I'm glad you brought that up because he said, my buddy Tommy Tuberville is going to save the day. I, I'm sure that part of him backing this is a relationship with Tuberville. And I don't I do agree with you that there has to be somebody else that, that that we can go to for this. I don't know if an active sitting head coach is the person I want talking about it, but my main takeaway separate from saving complaining is that we do absolutely need federal legislation. We need something in place, and then we need something that the NCAA can then work off of to put restrictions in place and parameters in place so that teams can be held accountable. Because right now we don't have that. You know what the only thing that I hate about NIL is? What? I don't get my stupid video game anymore. That's what I hate. Well, it's coming back eventually. Well, they said 2023, 2024. Now it's like 2025. I mean, I just got to continue to wait. Uh, To your point, Georgia's three permanent opponents are going to be Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky. So they don't get Vandy. They don't get South Carolina. They don't get those teams that they normally beat down on, right? Like they don't have – they're not going to face those teams. Um, So – I, I think that that's ultimately a plus. So, look, Saban's going to continue to be him. It's, he's not going to stop. You know you, you know what's even more wild, Joe? He's the only head coach in, in the SEC that doesn't have a, uh, have a Twitter account. Did you know that? 
Well, so that was the other thing I was thinking about too, is that Nick just puts these things out into the ether and then he has no idea that we're all, <laughs> no, we're all getting mad about it. He has no idea. <laughs> I, here's, here's what I ultimately believe. I think that Nick Saban has a, has a Twitter account. Okay. I really do believe that. And I think that he, he's looking at all of it. No, I, there's no shot. I doubt he even knows how to use his phone. Come on, dude. Let me do He, He's so much of a narcissist and such a control freak that you can't tell me somebody at the University of Alabama is not getting paid a hundred thousand dollars to to update him on Twitter. I'm sure he's got an assistant that he's got an assistant that makes one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year to be his towel boy. That is confirmed. I'm not making that up. You is do know really? that, right? Yes, how, he does. How do I get that job? I don't know, but I applied. I'll throw every purple and gold. Well, no, I mean I make that amount of money now, but nevertheless. I mean, I mean, look, you're a cowboy, you know, I mean, that, that, that's crazy. So making $120,000, I mean, I guess there's no way, there's no uh, going up from there, you know? No, not really. I mean, I was Saban's cowboy for a year, you know? No, I wouldn't do that. All right. So let's get over this, dude. All right. So interesting thought. So one of Saban's ex-offensive coordinators, Steve Sarkeesian, mm-hmm. Um, had some really interesting words. Now, if I'm not mistaken, they started spring football on Saturday, and Sark was quoted about Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Now, I will admit, I went and listened to the press conference today. I don't know where he said that there was an open competition. What he said was, is that every position on the field is open until further notice. Yes. Joe, he didn't specifically say Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. So now that the media has twisted his words and says, there's a quarterback battle at Texas. It, Joe, it didn't take two months of Arch Manning being on that campus before yeah. there was already a QB controversy. I thought part of the quote that I saw separate from the press conference, he said something along the lines of, and I'll pull it in a second, something along the lines of that he doesn't, He's not going to deprive Arch the opportunity to compete for the job or something like well, that. Well, yeah, because he was he was asked specifically on it, but he didn't come out there and say we have a QB competition. Yes, but here's it's another- an it's typical media pull out of context. Arch, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning. Oh, look, look at all the SEO. Look at all the run that we're getting. But it is a, a conversation, though. You know, it's it is something that even if Sark's not going to openly say it, I don't think. Sark is one of those coaches that is going to publicly go on the podium and try to motivate his quarterback through that. I do think there is a little bit of a competition. I'm sure that Quinn has a huge edge, but I, I'd be willing to bet that there is at least a an internal conversation of should we give Arch a legitimate shot? And I'm sure that it maybe it's only like 20%, but there's probably a percent chance that Arch could start or could compete for that job. Manning's not beating out Quinn Ewers right now. You know, and and look, we've had this conversation before about Arch. Joe, I just don't think he's ready. Okay, yeah. like I, I just don't think he's. Re- and, and here's another thing: Are you going? If I'm Sarkeesian, and like, and you've said this, not my words, yours. If Sarkeesian's really going to be on the hot seat, is he going to let a first year freshman quarterback come in here and really d- dictate if he's going to be hired or fired or not? Right, like. I just can't see that. But here's the thing, though. There is one point that I do agree with you. I don't think Quinn Ewers is that good of a quarterback right now. I think that he's got to get a lot better. Joe, he's going into year three, okay? Mm -hmm. And he's been around, meaning Ewers, 
some of the best offensive minds in the game. He's been around Ryan Day. He's been around Heartline. C.J. Stroud was a quarterback that was in the same room as him. He's been around a lot of really good quarterbacks, right? He goes to Texas. And for everything that I poo-poo on Steve Sarkeesian about, he's a really good offensive play caller. Joe, he had some really bad outings. And I know that you will say, well, he's hurt, and it's his non-throwing shoulder, and I get it. I can't get over the fact that he went 19 of 49 against Oklahoma State with three interceptions. He did have two touchdowns. Joe, he he threw for 38.7% completion percentage. That is horrendous. And then you go into the bowl. Anthony Richardson bad. (laughs) It is Anthony Richardson bad. Yes, I'm glad that you're starting to come around a little bit. I'm not. Uh, Against Washington, which was one of his better games, Mm -hmm. He, he went 31 of 47. It got a lot better, 66% completion percentage. He threw for almost 370 yards. But the only touchdown that he had and when he was in the red zone was on a trick play. That was his best game, and he couldn't score in the red zone. They ultimately lost the game. Here's the biggest two things. TCU, his defense played lights out. He went 17 of 39 for 171 yards and, a, and an interception. And the biggest victory for a margin pers- uh, perspective point differential perspective was against Kansas. He goes 12 of 21 for 107 in a TD, but B. John Robinson had to go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, having 243 rushing yards, and Brooks had another 111. My point is, is that, yes, I don't think Manning is beating out Ewers to start the season, but if Quinn Ewers doesn't get better, buddy, I'm just going to tell you, there's nothing that I've seen from Quinn Ewers outside of a half of a quarter against Alabama that says, yeah, he can make some throws, but, Joe, he's highly inaccurate. You know who's not necessarily always highly inaccurate? Arch Manning. Right, and that's where the redeeming qualities are for Arch and why I think that the possibility for Arch to maybe start some games this year if things go downhill, the possibility is on the table. What Arch Manning has been lauded for is his accuracy, his consistency. He is grown up around the game, so you know that he's going to be a smart kid. But I just don't think that what I saw on tape tells me that this is a kid who steps in right away and is going to have an immediate. This is not Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was one of the most ready-to-made players to step onto a field and play and compete at a national championship level. One of the rarest people. And look what happened to him against Syracuse in that year. He got knocked out of that game. He still even had limitations for what he was able to do, and he is one of the most ready freshman quarterbacks to step on the field and compete as a true freshman. Right. Here's where I stand on Quinn, though. I am giving him the benefit of the doubt. There was speculation. I have no idea how true it is that he was dealing with some type of a finger issue or something along those lines that was impacting his ability to throw the football, which I'm not a quarterback. You mentioned at the top of the show that my background is a long snapper. The times that I have had issues with my fingers has significantly impacted my ability to accurately spin the football. And and no goes for playing center for any position that requires throwing a football in any direction. It is very hard to do if you have issues with your fingers. So if that's true, I give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt for that. Even if it's not accuracy, I think is something that is, fixable what is not teachable is the arm talent and the power that he has compared to arch i think that that quinn is is a far bigger playmaker than what arch manning brings to the table and i think to your earlier point that you brought up with steve sarkeesian is that he is secretly and i think quietly on the hot seat a little bit and if things don't go well this year 
things might get expedited for him being pushed out as the head coach. I'm putting out the guy that can be a gunslinger, make a big play, and get me back into a football game instead of Arch, who has no game experience. I'd rather ride with the guy who has the game experience. And it's not like we're sitting here. This isn't like a you know a Drew Pine versus uh, Sam Hartman. I, I, that's not the best example. But it's not like we're pulling with like a guy who's probably going to be a backup. This is a guy who was one of the top recruits in his class, one of the most talented quarterback recruits to ever come out. He's got the skills, but he does need some refinement. I do agree with that. I'm going to push back on one thing. Accuracy can be fixed to some degree, but not a high degree. Okay? Against Washington, yeah. they he had some drops, and I'll give him that. But Sark pulled him for Hudson Card a couple of times. If the finger was an issue, then I think you would have saw Hudson Card. Okay? And I don't think that, you know, like – when you when you're going up against TCU and he's 17 to 39 or Oklahoma State when he's 19 to 49, if there's a finger issue and you're getting your ass beat and he's thrown for three interceptions, then I go to a situation where, in my mind, well then Steve Sarkeesian's got a lot of explaining to do. Okay, so you either either he's hurt or he's not hurt or he can play or he can't play, and if he can't play, then and you're hurting your team, which would which is what he was doing. But I, I would argue a hurt Quinn Ewers gives you more value than Hudson Card. Like Hudson Card, Joe. Was there's fine. not Joe. I'm, there, no way. Now you're having some blind allegiance because thirty eight percent, thirty eight point seven percent completion percentage is neutering your team, not hurting, neutering. You ever took a dog to a pound and had their balls cut off? You're neutering your offense when you're th- when your quarterback has 49 passing attempts. Joe, they drop back 61 times. Well, it's it's also like it's like when you have a very talented shooter in basketball. If a guy's out of rhythm, you're not pulling him out. It's only going to do do worse. But in the Joe, situation. when he's that ineffective, you got to tell him to stop shooting and pass the ball. I mean, that's that's true. It also it doesn't help. This isn't Seth Curry from three. You know who well, this is? is? He's kind of a he's a he's a gunslinger like no, Steph he's is. A, Come he's on, a world peace in the corner. <laughs> but the other aspect of this too, though, I also question. Like a lot of the games where he struggled, they couldn't run the ball. Like there were the TCU game is one example where they could not get into a rhythm running the ball with Bijan, and that really took them out of it. I think that Quinn. With lacking experience, he's one of those guys kind of like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, where they try to do too much. Or Daniel Jones is another really good example where those guys shout all out, have to the- set out Daniel Jones and his $160 million. Ridiculous how much money he's getting paid. They, they're those types per, of $10 million per touchdown pass. Again, just, just disgusting. I'm a Giants fan. It, it grosses me out. <laughs> those guys at one point or another didn't have a lot of help. And we're trying way too hard to hit you home runs, and that's that what he I got. Help though, but they weren't able to run the ball, and they were throwing the ball a lot. He is one of those guys where if things aren't opening up, you see it in his play where he's like, "I need to get us back into this single-handedly with a huge throw," and he makes really stupid decisions, and that's an inexperienced thing. That's a lack of experience. I'm going to raise my hand. I have a question. Yes, Blake. What's the question? Did B. John Robinson not have 25 carries for 243 yards against Kansas? Did Brooks not have 11 carries for 111 yards against Kansas? Forget the Kansas game. That's one. Just entertain me. Just entertain me. Did he not do that? Yeah, they did. 
He went 12 of 21 for 107 passing yards and a touchdown. So um, he, there are not every single game obviously supports my argument, but the way that he played against Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state neutralized Bijan in the second half. And that was when arch was throwing it weight or not. You know arch, why they neutralized him? You know why they neutralized him? Cause they knew that Quinn would do that. That Quinn would try too hard that- and make mistakes and press. I don't think that they – I don't think that. I think if you ask Gundy and anybody on that staff, you know what I think they tell you? They know that Quinn Ewers was highly inaccurate. Joe, Joe go go pop in that film. He's missing wide-open dudes. He's missing second, third, and fourth reads that are wide-ass open. But I also I also see the inaccuracy issues as I'm – I'm making a lot of sports analogies here. As a pitcher who has the yips in a way where – their confidence is low and they're in their own head and they're trying to do too much and they can't consistently John deliver Lester the ball. almost won a Cy Young with having the yips. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's not recoverable, as- but that's my point is it's recoverable. I don't want to throw out the possibility of him being an elite quarterback. He has it in him. He's, he's just, I think he's in his head. He's shown, uh, he has not shown you anything to use the word elite. He has not uh, see traits. What? It's the Anthony Richardson oh, thing all God, over again. Here it's, we go again. It's the Anthony see, Richardson you, you, thing all you, over you, again. See, it's a whole thing all over again. See yes. what see what guys draft guys like you do. You see a big arm. You see a flashy toy. And yes. Say, oh, you like you literally start creaming yourself. Yeah, exactly. You, but you at some point you have to understand that when Daddy Daddy puts the film on and says, okay. We have a problem here, Joe. Yeah. I don't give two flying rips how big his arm is. I don't care if he can throw the bitch 170 yards. If you're that inaccurate, you should not play. If your finger is hurting that bad where okay. you're going 38.7%, guess who hit guess who has never, never had a performance where they had 38.7% completion percentage? Hudson Card. Now, so to my point yeah. is, Joe, the, I, if this continues to go on with Quinn Ewers, now, I will digress a little bit on one point with you on this. He's a very young quarterback, and you can see him make developments. But again, he's That's going into year three. He's been under a guy in Ryan Day. He's been under Steve Sarkeesian. You cannot get better teachers. Can he and more than likely will he be better than last season? I agree with you, yes. But I don't, but if this quarterback, if this guy right here shows up, the one that we've been just been talking about, Archmany better get ready because they're gonna throw him in the game. Cause I just Joe, I just don't know if they if they have a choice, right? Like if 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 you're Sark and your and your job's on the line, okay, especially when you're out here pushing referees at bowl games. Or are media dudes at bowl games? You better start winning some football games. And Quinn Ewers has not sh- shown you anything. His big arm means nothing when you're that highly inaccurate. I told you this before the show. Give me Drew Brees. Give me Philip Rivers. Uh, who? Give me Joe Burrow. Give me Russell Wilson. Hell, for crying out loud, as of right now, give me Geno Smith with the way that he looked last season. And they're they do not have the biggest of arms, but what are they what do they do extremely well? They all can extend plays and are highly accurate. 
okay? And in this league, you have to be accurate enough to be in a situation to make your team win. I would almost make the argument that you have two comparisons of Anthony Richardson and Quinn, and Quinn Ewers, and the reason that their team struggled so much mm-hmm. is because of how highly inaccurate they were. I, I wouldn't necessarily. Joe, both Texas and Florida were two of the worst teams in Power 5 in converting third downs. Their passing efficiency rate on third down when it comes to Anthony Richardson and Quinn Ewers was almost to the bottom of the Power 5. They were one of some of the worst. You literally had seven passes last season where Anthony Richardson threw it away on fourth down. That is low IQ. You know who else but, had some plays but, like but here, that? But here's hold the thing. Line, hold on. Yep. Okay. You know who else had plays like that? Quinn Ewers. But here's my thing, though, Blake, that I don't disagree with those stats. Those numbers support exactly what you're saying. They both have played basically the same amount of football games and have started the same amount of football games. Inexperience is not always a detriment. It sucks when you're when you're trying to win football games and those guys are slow to learn, but there is still room for improvement. That's my takeaway with Quinn, is that I don't want to shut down the possibility of him taking that next step because he has the talent. This is not a talent-devoid player. This is not a three-star recruit. This is the number one quarterback in his class. But Joe, he is good enough to figure it out. But at some point, when those kids hit those campuses, the on three recruiting rankings don't mean shit. I'm not going off of the recruiting rankings, though. I'm going off of what I've seen from tape. What I'm just using, I'm just talking about the 38.7%. His high school tape, his high school tape that got him rated as nothing anymore when you hit the college campus either. But that's also in line with why I can't pick Arch, though, because I don't even know if Arch is good. Okay, so you know what, Joe? I should should have been a defensive lineman because in JV I had seven sacks. Did you actually? (laughs) Did you? I'm just – I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit of an athlete. I told you I could still beat you in a 40, but regardless, (laughs) when those asses hit seats in college, what they've done, their rating, their prospect means nothing. Okay. It literally means nothing. And I will tell you something else that you don't like to hear because you talk about Texas recruiting. Joe, they've had a b- really bad problem of missing. And they have. Key positions. And they can My miss question, at both guys. They could. They could. Now, I, I think Arch is going to be a little bit better than Quinn. That's just my opinion. Yep. Okay. So, as we got about 15, about now less than 15 minutes, um, about another 10 minutes. Joe, you want to tell everybody about Bet Online before we finish up the show with our last topic about some more spring quarterback battles? Yes. I will. I wish you could bet on spring quarterback battles because that would be fun. But you mentioned that Heisman odds are out. If you want to get ahead and put out a little bit of money on those Heisman odds, you should do it at betonline.ag. We all know that this, this show is a big fan of Michael Penix Jr. I think that if you want to Hell get some nice, yes. some nice long shot odds, I don't know what the odds are off the top of my head. I want to check that after the show. But I, I'm planning to put a little money down on Michael Penix Jr. because he could get a nice payout. And if maybe you want to bet on some other things, national championship, whatever it is, do it at betonline.ag. Use promo code believe 50 to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. 
Uh, I don't know who Nick's talking about. He says Mike Farrell level arrogance. What does that mean? Uh, Mike Farrell once said that uh, I think that this is what this is referencing. It's uh, that the he three said star that, comment. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how that relates to what we were talking about. I think you said. I think you maybe you said because you know it's not like he's a three star, but I'm saying I, that it's not like Quinn was a three star. That I I don't know. I'm not right. sure what that's. Referencing. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know what that means. All right. So, Joe, I'm going to give you the floor first. There are some Q- QB battles that are out and about right now. I'll give you the floor first. Who, what, what spring quarterback battle are you most focused on right now? So, I took a different angle with this, Blake, because it's so easy to sit here and do the Georgia one, to do the Alabama one, to do the Ohio State one, and they're very important for the landscape of college football. But I would argue some of these smaller reported on ones that have Freshman quarterbacks in the mix, I think, could actually really make or break the race for various conferences. The two that caught my attention the most, in my eyes, that have freshmen in the mix. The first one is Tennessee. And I know that it's a resounding thought that Joe Milton, the Michigan transfer, is going to be the starter for Tennessee. He got beaten out by Hendon Hooker. And we know that Joe Milton has one of the biggest arms in college football. He's played in 17 games. I didn't know this. He's got 12 touchdowns, no interceptions as a starting quarterback for Tennessee. He did only complete 59% of his passes and throwing for 1,300 passing yards with 206 rushing yards. He's got some evidence to show what he's capable of. I say watch out for Nico Ayamalavea. Nico Ayamalavea, man, is could have been the top-rated quarterback recruit and I think should have been the top-rated quarterback recruit. The dude can sling it at 6'6", 200 pounds. His frame's a little slight, but I would not be surprised. That I think this, me. This, this battle has a little more potential in my eyes for a freshman to start than the Arch Quinure situation because I don't think Joe Milton is guaranteed for him to start in this position. I think that there is a chance because of the, the talent that this kid brings to, the, to, the, to this offense in particular, he fits perfectly with, with what Hypo wants. I'm going to say that he is guaranteed the starting spot. Here's why. Because if he wasn't, they would have gone in the portal and gotten a guy from the portal. You don't think I, they're that confident maybe in at least if if Joe hits, they're good. But if he doesn't, their backup option just as good. That's how I see it. I, I agree with you, but I listening to Josh Heupel, okay, not going to the portal and getting a QB when everybody tells you Joe Milton stinks – which he's had two really good performances his last two games. Mm-hmm. And look, did you see the video of Joe Milton? I think Josh Dobbs was doing some QB work with him. He was at the 50, and they were like playing this goalpost game. Bing, 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 bing. We'll see. We'll, but, we'll just see. But, Blake, we just discounted arm talent for Quinn Ewers. I'm not going to give it to Joe Milton. No, <laughs> but it's, it's an accuracy thing. Well, he's 59% in his completion percentage, though. So he's not, it's not like he's a consistently Correct. accurate he's guy. He's got to prove it. But my thing is the yeah. video that we've seen so far is that he's gotten better and more accurate. He reminds me so much of Jamarcus with like the great value version of Jamarcus yeah. Russell. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Joe, you know what the number one that I'm looking at? Old okay. Miss. Okay. Let me, let me throw this at you. Okay. Did you know if I did a blind comparison? On Jackson Dart and and, and and Spencer Sanders, you wouldn't know who it is. I you would have no, no, I don't think you would. You know why? Name this quarterback. Sixty-two percent completion percentage, twenty-nine hundred yards, twenty TDs, 
11 interceptions. How many rushing yards? Do you have that? Uh, both have 600. That's Jackson Dart. No, it's Spencer Sanders. What's Jackson Dart's stat line? Here you go. 62.4% completion percentage, 2,974 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. So they're identical. Oh, my God. Joe. That's hilarious. They are identical. And I did not know that these two dudes were identical when it came to a lot of their statistics. And here's what the more interesting thing is. Spencer Sanders does have a throwing shoulder injury. The only difference that these two dudes have, the only difference that they have right now, Spencer Sanders has more starts than Jackson Dart does. Mm -hmm. But Spencer Sanders had more rushing attempts to score in the red zone than Jackson Dart did. Jackson Dart had less rushing attempts inside the red zone than Spencer Sanders did. It was close to 75 total uh, rushing attempts less for Jackson Dart in the red zone than it was for Spencer Sanders. So the touchdown numbers and rushing, I did take out because of the attempts that Spencer Sanders did have. Here's the more interesting thing, though, Joe, to me. Now, you do have Walker Howard that's going to sit here. I'm going to talk about him in just a minute. But if I just gave you a blind resume on Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart from a passing perspective and just a yards perspective, you would have no idea who it is. And the more interesting thing, I would even give Jackson Dart a little bit more of an edge. Here's why. Of these two dudes, mm -hmm. he played in the SEC and did it in the toughest conference when Oklahoma State did it in the Big 12. Yeah, that's the thing I don't understand. I feel like Kiffin's a little quick to bail on Jackson Dart, which I don't I know. I, I don't like that. I thought that Jackson Dart did very good considering everything that was that was given to him. I thought that he did a good job. He played his role really well. I don't think Spencer Spencer Sanders is a very overhyped player. He has always been a very overhyped player. He has been an overhyped draft prospect for the past couple of seasons since he's been eligible, and he's been overhyped as like a sleeper Heisman candidate. You know what he has? He's got that one Fiesta Bowl where he beat Notre Dame, which I got to watch, and everybody has rode that into the sunset and been like, this is the guy. This is the next guy that we got to talk about. Man, I think Jackson Dart's better. I, I think that Jackson Dart is going to win this. Is it just because he's a goofy kid from Utah and he doesn't fit? Like, is that what it is? Well, I think because they started the season 7-0, and they would go up against Alabama, LSU, and others, and they would wind up getting beat. And I think that the wheels started falling off, which I don't really think was Jackson Dart's fault. I think it was but a defensive issue. I, as most of it was. But my only thing with all of this is, is don't tell me that you're all oh my, you know, like I hear old Miss fans saying, oh my God, we brought in Spencer Sanders. But they had the same exact stat line. And by yeah. the way, Joe, by the way, I gave you Spencer Sanders' best season as a starter. Not I didn't season. give you last year when he did even worse when he was at 57% completion percentage with 2,600 yards uh, 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 passing with 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions and three less games than Jackson Dart, right? So he was on pace to have a worse season last year than Jackson Dart did. Yeah. The only caveat with this for me, and LSU fans are going to hate me for saying this, uh -oh. what is Walker Howard going to do? I don't think he. I don't think he's the, in play for next season. If I'm being completely honest, I think that he is probably 
the guy who takes over the following year. Because whoever wins this job goes to the NFL, most likely. The other one disappears. Whatever happens, happens. And then Walker Howard takes over. I think that's the more... I do think I do agree with you that it's but I look I've seen Walker Howard in practice at LSU because you know we are we're credentialed there we go there dude can sling it yeah he's slanging it he's sl- but he's got the arm strength and he's got the accuracy mm. and he can move the only thing that he's the problem that he has is he's got he's a very very small dude he's really he, he I mean Joe you know I'm 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 six three three hundred pounds. To, to me, okay, he's not a big quarterback. So I agree with you on the Walker Howard thing. Let's see how this progresses through the spring. Let me give you this one right quick, too. Yep. You know what the other big or probably the biggest quarterback battle in the country that nobody's talking about is? What? Ohio State. Okay. You got Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Who's going to take over for C.J. Stroud? Now, I will tell you why I think that this is the biggest, in my opinion, one of the biggest quarterback position battles in the country. But if Ryan Day loses to Michigan again, they might fire his ass. And you know what? He's got to get it right. And he didn't go into the portal. He didn't go and do anything. He's letting a, a heart line be the new OC and call plays. Is Kyle McCord that dude? Is Devin Brown that dude? Now, I don't know if you saw this today, but Devin Brown came out, okay, and he was a former guy from Utah, 43 overall player in Utah, or 43 overall player in the country. He's also out of Utah. Um, Devin Brown, he said that the guy that he looked up most to was Tate Martell. And I'm like, what a horrible comparison in Ohio State for you to look into. That's like C.J. Stroud when he said – uh, I I look up to Deshaun Watson and Michael Vick, and it's like, oh no, why though? Why could just give me a third guy that's not <laughs> two of those guys? But that's we that's a weird weird pick. I like Kyle McCord. I, I, I really do. I really think that Kyle McCord um, fits much better as the next in line, and I think he's more of a natural passer. What works so well for CJ is that he's just a naturally gifted thrower of the football. And I think to work in that system, it's a one-read system. I want the guy who's the most accurate. I want the guy that's going to deliver on that first read, and I think that that's Kyle McCord. I don't need the better athlete. I need the guy who's the most consistent thrower of the football. All right, to wrap this up as we end the show here, what's your last one, Joe, that you're looking forward to? My last one's UCLA. I don't think that that one is getting enough attention, and it's another, again, a freshman battle here where I don't think Ethan Garbers is in this. He's brought up in some articles, but he's not in it. Dante Moore, who, like Nico Ayamalavea, should have been ranked higher, was a highly sought-after kid, last-second switch to UCLA, which was a sneaky big pickup, is competing with Colin Schley, who transferred from Kent State. Now, Colin Schley has had an okay career. Uh, 2,400 passing yards, 59% completion percentage, 13 passing touchdowns to five interceptions. He did fine. We know that there was a lot of offensive production at Kent State but I think that if there is a freshman with the highest likelihood to start, it is Dante Moore. I think that that offense is structured and set up for a freshman to walk in and have a very surprising season. I don't know why it pops in my head of thinking like what Bo Nix did in his first year. I feel like that Dante Moore can do that plus plus more. I think that Chip Kelly is a great offensive mind and Dante Moore is 
is is perfect for the scheme that he's looking to call. He is a better version of he has the potential to be a better version of of Dorian Thompson Robinson in my eyes. I think he's a better thrower, overall thrower. Yeah, uh, without question. All right, Joe, we will be back tomorrow uh, to get every everything. I don't know what our topics are yet. I guess we'll talk about that tomorrow, and then yeah. we'll we'll go from there. But a fantastic show, fantastic day. Um, I know everybody in the state of Texas hates me. The guys at the charity stripe said that they're going to bring me on. I still have no, have not heard from them. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, great show, buddy. And we'll be back tomorrow. We'll see everybody soon. Till yes, then, sir. peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs>